Hey guys, welcome to the College Podcast. I am Caleb Hickson, your college director, and today I am joined by Amanda Smith and Haley Bowden as we talk about eating disorders. All right, guys, welcome to the College Podcast. In studio today, I'm joined by Amanda Smith and Haley Bowden, our resident co-host, TCU extraordinaire. Welcome, ladies. Hello. Hello. It's good to have y'all. How are you doing today? Doing pretty well. Yeah? Yeah, doing great. Yeah, good. It's good. I'm glad to have you guys on this podcast. I'm really excited because this has been a topic of conversation that I've been wanting to do a Q&A, a podcast, some sort of something on for genuinely years now. This topic of eating disorders, uh, as most of our students know, this is such a huge, huge issue on TCU's campus. And it's not just TCU's campus. This is across uh, across the world, the, the globe, the nation, but but for our podcast, for our context, uh, TCU, the issue of eating disorders is just such a huge thing. And so I wanted to get together and talk about it. Uh, so I'm glad you guys are here. Haley, uh, why don't you, I know, I know if anybody's listened to this for, you know, any sort of time, they've heard an episode of you, but why don't you introduce yourself again and uh, let us know a little bit about why you wanted to hop on this podcast. Yeah, so my name is Haley, and I work here at The Paradox now, and I was a college intern for a year, but I also went to TCU and graduated from there, and the main reason I'm a part of this conversation is because during my time at TCU, I mean, man, before that, but food has just been a big part of my story, struggling with it, experiencing healing from it from the Lord, but um, struggled with anorexia for a really long time, and specifically... A lot of that was concentrated in my time at TCU. And so the past four years or so, I've been kind of like wrestling with the Lord, crying out to him, asking him for healing. And he's redeemed a lot in the realm of food for me. Um, And there's still a long way to go, I feel like, but I'm just really passionate about being able to talk about this in a way that is normalized. And because I do think it's something that plagues our whole society and Mm -hmm. we conversations about this don't feel normal enough. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, to be able to be a part of creating a place for people to be informed yeah. and feel safe to talk about it is just really important to me. Yeah, that's awesome. I'm so glad that you're here. I'm really grateful for what the Lord's done in your life and just the journey that you've got to be here. So I'm excited that you're going to join us on this conversation. Amanda, why don't you tell our audience a little bit about you, who you are, Absolutely. and why uh, why you're here on this podcast? Yeah, so um, some of you may know me, Amanda Smith. I'm a partner here at Paradox. Um, I also am a licensed psychologist, and my specialty is eating disorders. So this is a huge passion of mine. I've been working with those who are struggling with eating disorders for the past um, I want to say six years. Um, and it's just a huge part of my passion, just um, understanding the relationship between ourselves and food and ourselves yeah. and bodies. Um, it's just very important to me. That's awesome. That's yeah. great. Well, thank you for joining us. Thank you for being a part of this conversation. Uh, as both of you guys know, I'm super passionate about this topic because this is a part of my story as well. Uh, one of the stigmas around eating disorders is that it's only for women. And I am a walking representation of the fact that that's not true. Uh, this is not just a gender-specific conversation. This is for both men and women. And so for, for anybody out there who's listening to this podcast, 
who's uh, hearing this, we want you to know that this podcast isn't just for people who are struggling with eating disorders. It's not just for women. This is for everybody. This is for men and women, uh, people who are currently struggling with eating disorders and people who are not, because the chances are, if you're not, you probably know somebody who is. And so Absolutely. the hope is that you guys will be able to, to garner some information, some knowledge, to be able to care better for your friends. And if you are struggling with an eating disorder right now, uh, we, we want this to be a safe place. We are glad that you're listening to this, and our hope is that, that we could walk with you through that. So please know that that's our heart in this. We want to love you. We want to care for you in this conversation. Uh, so reach out. Let us know what your thoughts are after you listen to this. But um, Haley, let's let's start with you on, on why you think this topic's important. You talked about it a little bit in your introduction, but just expound upon the idea of why this is an important topic. I think first and foremost, I did mention this earlier, but just how common it is. And yeah. I think there's a lack of awareness in how common this issue is and the effects of it. And so um, I think there's a lack of awareness of societally how big it is, but I think right. people who struggle with food, whether it's a classified eating disorder or not, are not aware of what mm -hmm. is a normal way to interact with food in your body and what's mm -hmm. not normal. Oh, and yeah. I feel like societally we have just been we're i think a lot of times too we're discipled by the world in this area yes and that's where we get our how to interact with food how the next diet the next whole 30 the next keto whatever it is and that feels more authoritative to us and we look to the world we look to the people around us we look to other people's bodies to disciple how we should respond um, for ourselves and i think that we we don't look to scripture. We don't look to the mm -hmm. theology of our food and bodies and how God intended that to be. And yeah, I mean, I could go on and on and on, but sure. I just think that's like the main thing is that there just seems to be a gap of conversation in the church about this. Um, and I think sometimes we look to two, two um, secular resources to look for healing in this area or even how we respond to food. So Yeah. And Amanda, you were yeah. even saying earlier just about how we are so unaware, kind of what Haley's talking about, so unaware of the way in which our culture and society is affecting us in this topic that we yeah. don't we don't realize how much we are being affected. So so can you just talk on touch on a little bit of why this is important? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I definitely think eating disorders is one portion of that, right? Mm. We have a culture that is permeating our church in the sense of um, having this broken relationship with our bodies, having a broken relationship with food. Yeah. It's something that we all are affected by that yeah. even through the work that I have, I've been learning more and more on just understanding my own broken relationship with food, yeah. how culture has impacted me, um, what ways I can go back towards what God intended our relationship with our bodies and our in our food that He's provided us uh, to look like. Yeah, yeah, because ultimately, ultimately, right, the Lord has created everything in this earth. He has given us food for our good and yet as as humans uh, as broken humans we have taken that and distorted it we've taken yeah. a good gift and we've made it into something else mm -hmm. um and so uh like you you were mentioning earlier too just about how we when we like this this view this image of thinness is that what you called it we call it the thin ideal okay yes. so in our culture we have what's called a thin ideal yeah. so um understanding this i think we all can understand and relate to this of what we see the ideal body as right. is quote unquote thin yeah now this does change over time right um we see maybe in the 90s um 
certain body types with women were preferred over others. Sure. Um, even now, I think of like kind of the quote unquote Kardashian body yeah. is uh, yeah. the in thing right now. But with that, just understanding how this impacts us, I think one of my favorite things that I always talk to people about is that we see 5,000 images mm. per day yeah. of the thin ideal. Mm. If we don't think that this is impacting us, yep. then we have it wrong. This yeah. is something we all have to be aware of. I have to continually be aware of is how is this image impacting me? How is this image making me see um, other people? How is it making me see myself? What what is this doing to my brain, my thought process? How is this either leading me towards God or away from God mm-hmm. um, in a idolization of what a body should look like, mm-hmm. right? And the thin ideal doesn't just play into women, right? Sure. I think a lot of times we focus on that, yeah. um, but there are ideals within men. What is that supposed to look like? What are they supposed to look like? What are the models showing that they should look like? What are other people saying they should look like, mm-hmm. right? Rather than understanding what our body is meant to be mm-hmm. and honoring the variety that God has created between all of our bodies and being at awe, right? I think there's that broken relationship of do we idolize it or how do we actually enjoy and take pleasure in what God mm. created? That's good. Yeah, there, there's a, a great book um, by Tony Ranke who this is his, his whole thing is like just how much we consume visually as a society, yeah. as a culture, and how much that's affecting us, which you're, you're totally spot on in, in that we, we don't give it enough credit, the things that we let our eyes like see and and the things that we consume visually and how that affects us um and and Haley I'm even thinking about just like how this then like plays itself out in a very personal level the reason why this is such an important topic is because or one of the reasons why it's such an important topic is because eating disorders your 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 relationship with food is such a personal thing Mm -hmm. that can be hidden so easily Mm -hmm. can you talk to that for a second yeah I think um Well, one of the first things that comes to mind in that is even in our society today, there's so many different like food allergies and Mm. food restrictions and um, which I think has, well, let me backtrack. I feel like food is something that God intended to be communal and used to unite his people. I mean, you see Jesus all the time in scripture. He feasts with people like where we're headed is a wedding feast, like in heaven. I feel like food is meant to bring people together. But if you look at our society and the state of how we interact with food right now, it's really divisive, which has like pushed us all into these isolated corners with our relationship with food. And so I think part of that is like, there are so many different, and I feel like like things like food allergies, food intolerances. I feel like that's a tool of the enemy. Of like he is trying to taint food in all of our eyes. He's right. trying to not let us have freedom um, from food. And so I think that we have gotten so far into like thinking what's best for me and my body, and yeah. then we're not receptive to have conversations about it for other people to speak into like how, no, that food makes me feel bad, I can't eat it. No, that food, I'm allergic to it. No, I'm intolerant to it. No, I don't want it. Um, I'm gonna eat, I don't wanna say specific foods, Never mind. But just like there, 
our preferences become ultimate in this mm-hmm. area because we have a false sense of control and entitlement over the way that we interact with food. Yeah, and that's obviously not to say that food allergies are somehow not real or false. That's not all, not at all what you're trying to say. It's just no. a, a simple, like the, the enemy has taken this thing and has corrupted it and now we have food allergies. Right, and like, yeah, it's not, I mean, I have, I don't eat gluten or dairy because it makes me really sick. And like what I, the way my body is responding to them right now, I can't eat them. And so yeah. I like live in a very, I mean, and so do you, Caleb. Yeah. Like we have, I live in a very real reality of that, but I just feel like, um, yeah, the enemy has corrupted a lot Absolutely. of food. And part of that is through isolation, which is the exact opposite of the way God intended it to be. And it's really interesting too, to think about how food, I, I would agree with you in that, that God created it as a communal uh, type of um, experience because so I spent six months in West Africa with an unreached people group living out in the bush where there was no electricity, there was no running water, there were no cell phones. And so it was this, just like this, um, what felt like a time warp into five, six, seven, eight hundred, a thousand years ago in time to where it was like this way of life that was so different than, than America. And that's exactly what they did with food. Food wasn't, nobody ate by themselves. Mm-hmm. Literally yeah. no one ate by themselves ever Mm -hmm. and 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 if somebody was walking by and you're having a meal you immediately invite them to come eat with you and and so that's such a fascinating thing to think of like even just these little things that have contributed to uh this society that is uh that has basically set us up for being able to fall into some of these sinful patterns Yeah. yeah and i even think of the first sin right was involving food and the repercussion is hiding of bodies. Right. Like those two things, I just, I'm always amazed at. And yeah. why why do we think it's different? Why do we think that this isn't continuing to impact us? Why do we think that the enemy isn't gonna continue right. in those same ways, um, but maybe just different forms, Yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, so, so to, to just uh, be really specific, the first sin being the sin of Adam and Eve when, yes. when they took of the fruit of the tree and they ate it against God's commands, against his, what he had told them to do, and then what did they immediately do? They went and hid themselves. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, how, how can you not see the direct comparison to then what eating disorders does to us as mm-hmm. well? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. One more thing about sure. um, being hidden in it, I feel like something when I was speaking earlier about this just being a gap in conversation in the church, in my opinion, I feel like we don't ever talk about the sin that is involved in eating disorders. Mm -hmm. And so I think because of the thin ideal that Amanda was talking about, a lot of times like when when people are losing that much weight or when people are working out an excessive amount or I mean, when people have an unhealthy relationship with food, it's almost glorified in our culture because that's what we're told and that's like what we're consuming. And so we don't, there's no pushback hardly ever against that. And because it's almost like our society naturally hides that for us because the outcome that we're getting is what society is telling us is good. Um, And so I think that, yeah, it's really easy to hide because if you're losing weight rapidly, that's something that's glorified in Mm -hmm. our culture. And it's like, it's, we're not primed enough to think like something's wrong if mm-hmm. that's happening in you. Um, but I think ultimately like there is sin and idolatry of body. There's idolatry of control. There's idolatry of food. I mean, you could go, I feel like eating disorders have a bunch of different roots of idolatry in them. And um, I feel like we don't ever bring that to light and ever like are called to repentance in that area because we don't talk about it through that lens. 
Yeah. And even for those that don't have eating disorders, right? Um, we all have some sort of broken relationship with food. Yes. We all have some sort of broken relationship with our bodies. Um, this is not something that's just for those that have eating disorders. This is for all of us to really think and understand how are we perceiving our bodies? Is it godly? Are we perceiving food in a godly way? How do we go back towards that? How do we understand what food is, what our bodies are meant to be? Um, you know, there's so much scripture about um, honoring our, our bodies. Our body is a temple. What does that really mean, right? Um, we are a reflection of God. Mm -hmm. How are we continuing to honor that through the way we talk about our bodies? How do we continue to honor that through the way we talk about food? For mm -hmm. sure. Yeah, so uh, there, there's so much to why this is such a big deal, why this is such a big topic. Um, and and I, I think if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably on board with us, you're, you're in agreement. Um, so, then, so then Amanda, maybe just spend a few minutes trying to define a little bit what eating disorders are, and, because we're, we're talking about it's not just like like there there are you have unhealthy relationships with yeah. foods there's there's a spectrum of these things Absolutely. Um, maybe somebody hasn't necessarily been diagnosed with anorexia but they might have been like me where they would skip many meals and yep. especially skip meals to go to the gym and yeah uh, and and so so just help help put some actual uh tangible language to what eating disorders are i know this is actually going to be a really hard topic yeah. i i was uh this is something I can spend just an hour on, is what what are eating disorders? Mm -hmm. What does this look like? What is anorexia? What is atypical anorexia? Yeah. What is bulimia? What is- Binge eating. Binge eating. What is um, avoidant restricted food intake disorder, which is a whole other what, eating disorder. What's the one that, that they work out too much? Orthorexia? Orthorexia. So yeah. that's sometimes, that's not, uh, how do I explain it? That's kind of like a, a term that is used to describe gotcha. um, kind of like a subset, but generally that falls under the topic of anorexia. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's there's so much to it, and I think the most basic definition I can have is when this idolization, this brokenness, is now impacting medical, physical, mental, social functioning, mm -hmm. right? Um, I don't know how else to that's that's the best way I can explain it. It's when it starts taking things over to yeah. where it's impacting someone's ability to think through things. Yeah. Now their bodies are turning into something that prevents them from going out to eat, mm -hmm. prevents them from joining friends at the pool, that prevents them from eating a variety of nutrients that is going to sustain their body. Um, I think one of the kind of mis big misnomers is anorexia. Um, there's something that we call atypical anorexia. And what that is, is it's the same behavior patterns, the same fear of weight gain, the same um, restrictive eating um, or compensating of calorie intake that is causing weight loss. But this person may not have started in the, in a range that would be considered quote-unquote normal mm -hmm. and i put quote-unquote because normal there is no normal there sure. is no normal when it comes to bodies and so understanding what that looks like so someone may have started in a certain weight range and maybe they aren't quote-unquote underweight at this point yeah. right 
what's interesting is research is now showing that the medical impact of anorexia and atypical anorexia are the same. Hmm. So that's saying despite the actual weight that they are at, yeah. because of this pattern of restrictive eating, sure. it's impacting their bodies in the exact same way, Yeah, wow. which is mind-blowing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I can talk about extremes of what I've seen, um, but I know that would be a whole other topic. Why don't we day. talk about, I feel like it'd be important to maybe you and I can both provide insight to the thought life of someone that yeah. struggles yeah. with food because yeah. I feel like partly in conversations that I've had with people whenever I've sat down and asked them specific questions about what are you thinking about all day long and their responses, food and calories and I'm counting and I, but there's like a, a gap in them realizing that them thinking about food all day long and these thoughts that they're saying is equates to like a broken relationship with food. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Do you want to give some insight into like maybe what the thought life of a day in the life of someone that struggles? Oh with my goodness, <laughs> uh, that that is actually something really hard for me. I, I remember someone recently listening to a story. I I guess it was Taylor Swift talking about her own eating disorder yeah. and how she couldn't even look at the um, tabloids mm-hmm. and what her body looked like. Um, and that's very common of this like I can't look at myself. Yeah. I can't. Um, see myself in an accurate way, um, a constant fear of weight gain, right? Mm-hmm. A fear of um, how people are going to perceive me, mm-hmm. a fear of what is this going to do if I eat X how is that going to impact my body, mm-hmm. right? And I think there is this, like we said, this dieting culture, right, that we have. It's a multi-billion dollar industry right we hear about diets all the time i'm sure everyone from this podcast can name like three of the recent diets um and it really teaches a lot of this restrictive eating pattern right um that is a broken relationship with food yeah that's good um i don't know exactly where i was going with this at this point um just the thought life of someone like what are, what are some of the thoughts that you have seen in 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 other people like you're you're saying like it's hard for them to look at themselves it's hard for them yeah. to think and, and Haley if you, if you want to jump in with like when when you were beginning to uh recognize this what were some of those thoughts as well yeah that's like oh I mean the thing that comes to mind is like it's consuming it's yeah. all that you think about yeah. I remember my first counseling appointment when I was like trying to figure out even if I had an eating disorder and my dietitian asked me it was like a paper that I was filling out it's like how many hours a day do you think about food and one of the options was from sunset to sundown mm. and right away I was like yes that's me but I think it was like doesn't everyone think about this that much mm-hmm. like we have to eat three meals a day we have to like take care of our bodies but I feel like a lot of the thoughts were I mean I could tell you right now how many calories are in like common household hmm. kitchen yeah. foods because a lot of my thoughts were around memorizing that yeah. so I could keep a mental tab of how many calories I had um, eaten throughout the day. My thoughts around exercise was that was the main priority of my day. Like forget right. anything else, forget absolutely spending time in scripture, forget like studying for school, forget spending time with friends. Like right. my most important thing is how can I get at least an hour and a half of exercise in yeah. every day um, so I can 
my excuse in my mind was so I could feel good, right? right? But well, I felt horrible. Be, so you can be fit, so you can be healthy, right? Right, yeah. taking yeah. care of my body in that way. Absolutely. Um, I don't think anyone's getting the sarcastic eye rolls in this conversation. I don't think it's so sarcastic. Like those, those are the thoughts that you're having. You're justifying yeah. skipping yeah. whatever yes. to work out because you're saying, "Well, no, this is what I have to do to be fit." Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I don't, I don't think it's sarcastic. I think that's what you believe. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's yeah. true. I think what I mean by sarcastic is we we recognize sure. that this yes. is this is not true Absolutely. at this point, Absolutely. right? Yes. Um, yeah, I, I think it, it all depends on the person, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. um, and it depends on what their eating disorder looks like, right? right? Um, is there often an obsession around food? Absolutely. Um, there's also this emotional connection with food mm -hmm. that is hard to, yeah, moralizing, guilt, shame, yeah. um, I only feel confident if I eat X. Yes. I only feel confident if this happens right. and the right? opposite like i if i eat this food then yeah. i'm a horrible person yes. or i am a failure as a human yeah and that that goes across eating disorders yeah. right so in the sense of um ones that are associated with body image there are other eating disorders that are not associated with body image that's like i said a whole other topic right. um of brokenness with food but even with binge eating disorder, this guilt, shame, um, feeling out of control mm -hmm. around food, or just even feeling like they need to control food. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Those things are something that I often see permeate across the board. Yeah, what do you guys think about this? I, as as y'all have been kind of describing what eating disorders are, I've been trying to figure out a way to like simplify it down to like a statement. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm, I'm I don't know if you if you guys would disagree with this, and it's fine if you want to shoot it down. But what I've been kind of thinking on is like if 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 you um, if you're wondering if you have an eating disorder, does food or the association of food, anything around food, have any sort of power over you? I'm looking at Amanda right I now. Know. <laughs> I know. And I, I really think this is why um, there's not many of us that have this specialty. Mm. I would love to say there's like one answer or mm -hmm. one definition sure. or one way to know. Sure. But unfortunately, this is why even within like my own um, company, we say to many of our psychologists, we don't want you assessing for an eating disorder. Mm -hmm. We want the ones who are specialized in it to assess for it yeah. because there's there's so much to it. Yeah. And I've, I've wanted to say, oh, here's some five sure, questions. Sure. And there are different researches on questions that are screeners, but there is no way for us to say this is an eating disorder without yeah. a full interview investigation yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and so i i want to say that yeah. that's like it but then i just know that it's like there's so much more to it and i think that's what makes it so hard and i, I think i think uh, eating disorders are, are far more than just a mental just an emotional i think there's a spiritual component to it yeah. as well and so even in that attempt that i'm, I'm making I, i'm trying to give our listeners tools to be able to 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 self-identify but but I, I'm as we're talking about it, I'm just being reminded about how deceived I was, how hard it was for me to recognize yeah. mm -hmm. these things, and so I don't even know if that's super helpful. Uh, to well, get. I wonder if you brought in that out of, of course, this is so complex and hard to nail down. But I feel like I wonder if 
when we're talking about a broader conversation of a broken relationship with food, I do feel like that's a really good diagnostic question to ask. Yeah, sure. Like if, yeah. if you're looking at, okay, is how I interact with my body and food broken? If it has any sort of power over you, I think that it's a clear yes, even though it might not be like yeah. a diagnosable eating disorder or sure, there's a ton of complexity there. But I feel like if we're getting 30,000 feet above the issue um, and we can identify that food has power over some or all of our lives, then that's a huge like that's a great place to start in this conversation. Yeah. And that's what I feel like we don't ask that question near enough because food having power over us is normal. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. It's it's such a such such a intricate part of our society it's insane um Haley, i'm just thinking like it might be helpful for you to share just a two three minute version of your story and how you kind of uh where where your eating disorder started how you kind of came to a realization of it and then what that looked like after the fact could you yeah. is that is that possible i don't know yeah you we'll can, try you for take, three minutes <laughs> you can take longer than three minutes if you need um yes so from the beginning, food has, I feel like, just always been an, a struggle for me. I grew up as, like, a really competitive athlete where you're always – I just feel like I've talked about the way food affects your body and performance since I was young. Um, and growing up, I don't think that was ever malintended, but it was just part of the culture that I was in. And so all of that to say, I'm not sure that I really fully learned how to have the healthiest relationship with food, maybe ever. Um, but then I got to college at TCU where I feel like a ton of different factors were at play. So like you mentioned earlier, it is just a huge part of the culture. Like you, I don't know the exact statistic, but when I was there, it was one in four women on TCU's campus had an eating disorder. So that's like, which I would say is probably low for what the reality is. Right. So uh, yeah, I would venture to say 50% of TCU students have like some sort of eating disorder. Anecdotally from doing ministry on campus. I would say that's about what it feels like. Right. So we can't be quoted on that, but it's just a lot. So I'm like walking around in this culture of a lot of the thin ideal. um, And in my mind, I'm perceiving that as healthy. I'm consuming. um, How can I make my body look like that? And then I, I mean, the normal culture there is to eat salad three times a day and go to the gym in between your times of eating salad. Salad for breakfast? (laughs) Yeah. Well, I never. You just don't eat breakfast. You skip the meal. Of course, you skip breakfast. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, Anyway, so I feel like there was this external culture that I stepped into, already having like a rocky relationship with food, and then going to. That's that's what I mean by we look to the world to define that for us. So I already felt on shaky ground, and then I'm looking at the world around me to define. Okay, how do I actually do this? And I'm learning to do it in really unhealthy ways. And then, um, then you have the performance culture on TC use campus that's added on top of that and I don't want to blame external circumstances for this I mean the performance culture in me is my sin and my strive to perform be approved by everyone be perfect in everything that I try to do basically what I did for two years at TCU is just build my own kingdom that would facilitate my success and comfort in a sense of however much success I could achieve would make me more comfortable and set me up better for the long run Um, and that was just in everything there wasn't this like specific aim that I was after it was just my mindset that I brought to everything that I did Um, even in like church things like I got involved in paradox early but wanted to strive to be like the hyper-religious perfect TCU student who's involved in church and doing all the things and um, anyways so with that mindset basically what happened is my junior year Caleb was the first person that I told about my eating disorder for those of you who 
didn't know that. Um, we went to Brazil, and I remember you were asking me on a mission trip. We didn't just oh, like, go yeah. to Brazil. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, we were just like on vacation. <laughs> no, spring break, we went on mission trip to Brazil. And we were having conversation at dinner one night, and one of my friends was confessing that she felt like she was hiding in a lot of sin. And then I remember you looked at me and said, Haley, what do you think about that? And I just felt this like serious conviction by the Spirit that I was hiding too. Um, the hiding that we've talked about, the sin mm-hmm. that we've talked about, I, I mean, it was just like God's kindness to me to wreck me in that moment of like, this is sin, this is unsustainable, this is not like what I've called you to. You're not treating your body and food in a holy way. Um, And so I just remember that night, like weeping, like pretty much the whole night, figuring out like, what does this mean now that I've experienced like true conviction over this? Um, And so, oh gosh, this could, I'll just keep it short. So then come back to America. I had also sworn like, this is just gonna stay in Brazil. We have like conviction in Brazil, but I'm not gonna deal with this uh, when I get home. What happens in Brazil? Stays in Brazil, no, no. (laughs) Um, So then I come home and basically the next two years, two and a half was kind of a, it has to get worse before it gets better situation because of the Lord like going after the depths of my heart to heal it. So there was like some behavior modification in there, but really it was this process of like unearthing a lot of the sin in it, why I had, um, why I desired to have such control over like such restrictive and rigid eating and why I was idolizing the thin ideal and why I cared to, to have like a certain size of clothing and be a certain weight and why I stepped on the scale every day. Like it was just this process of like through um, really good gospel centered community and care through professional help um, and through like ultimately the Lord's kindness in pursuit of me. He was just unearthing all of this idolatry and sin that had been built up for like 15 years probably. Um, And so caveat there, I'm not, completely rid of that like I think it's like this complex issue that the Lord is still doing a really good work in me but it was this like hyper intensive season of healing in a sense but I feel like once I stopped hiding I went through this season of like okay well I have all these thoughts that I've been trying to hide from and be perceived in a certain way but now that people know that I struggle with this I'm just gonna let the behaviors follow to the extreme and so that's when I like really stopped eating um so then that was the end of college just I could go on and on and on, but for the sake of keeping this short. Then after college, um, I went through redemption groups here at the Paradox, and I thought I was doing better with food and had kind of like moved on and gotten to a healthier place, but most of my 10 weeks in redemption groups were like diving more into that of food and all the complexities of that. And then my redemption group leader had asked me one night, if I had ever thought to be anointed with oil for healing for my eating disorder. And in my like pride and control and stubbornness, I like quickly dismissed it. I was like, that doesn't feel, it feels like a me issue that if I can just like repent my way out of sin, then I'll be fine. And I don't need to like rely on the Lord for complete healing in this area, basically. Um, But then Fast forward like a few months later, I need I went to get healed or anointed for headaches that I was having that just like wouldn't go away. I'd been to a thousand doctors, whatever. Um, and so I was asking if I could be anointed with oil. And then 
my pastor that ended up anointing me was asking me, is there any other thing that like is going on under the surface? Like, is there anything else you want to pray for? And the Lord just was like, you should ask for healing or anointing. You should be anointed to be healed from your eating disorder. And so I was talking to him about it and he equated it a lot to addiction. So like all my restrictive eating had been altering the brain chemistry of how I interact with food. And he was like, let's just anoint you and ask the Lord to kind of like rewire your brain to be able to view food in the way that God had intended it, basically what we've been talking about. And so he did. And then like three-ish weeks later, after I'd been anointed, the Lord, I was worshiping, singing, and I, the Lord showed me a vision basically of um, claws that were infiltrating my brain and they were black claws. They were ravaging like my whole brain and in the vision he ripped them out he ripped the claws out restored my brain and it was like one of the clearest things i've ever heard from the lord but he just said like you're free so look at me Mm -hmm. and since that day which was like a year and a half ago um i've have not skipped a meal and it was miraculous healing um in my case and so um all of that to say, yeah. that's like a hyper condensed version of like something that's been plaguing me my whole life and that the Lord has done like a lot of miraculous work in. But yeah, is that what you were looking for? <laughs> yeah, that's great. No, thank you for sharing that. Yeah. I really appreciate it. Um, and then you, you would just briefly mention like you're, even though you had experienced that healing and the Lord has, has, has delivered you from that, um, it's not been like now all of a sudden there, no, there are no struggles surrounding food, right? Right. So what, what, for that, for you, what does that look like? Yeah, I think for me, I still have an idolatry of food in the way that I think it's actually for me an idolatry of health. So, um, I do feel a lot of freedom from looking a certain way or, um, I don't know, some of the like appearance driven things have like really fallen away for me. And I feel like God has freed me from that, but I feel like. I still have this standard of health that I get from the world of like mm-hmm. feeling a certain way, being active enough, um, kind of like feeling like I'm entitled to feel really good all the time and I sure. have ultimate control over mm-hmm. that. And mm-hmm. so wow. when I have control over that, then that means it's up to me to pick like food that feels good when I eat right. it and to um, work out a certain amount of times a week because that's what makes me feel good. Yeah. Um, and so, so I think I've experienced like enslavement to that still it just looks a little bit differently. I'm not like restricting food and I'm not, but I think that um, being after this like standard of health that the world tells us we can achieve on our own is sometimes like still a struggle for me. For sure. And that's why this is such a complex issue is because there's so many layers to it. And even though, even if you have a miraculous healing like that, there are still um, waves of ramifications that you have to work through and, and layers of sin that you have to continue to deal with on the the flip side of that. Totally. And the last thing I'll say about that is um, at first when I started, like when I felt healing, it was like, I truly felt like a new person. Like I was like, what is it like to interact with people? What is it like to go to dinner with people? What is it? It was just like this like amazing season of like being on a high and like Mm -hmm. a honeymoon phase. And then the first time that I started to have like one negative thought about food, I remember being really frustrated. Mm -hmm. Like I was like, wait, God, I thought you healed me. I thought like we were over this. Um, But I think where I'm at now with that is I I truly feel like it's God's pursuit of me that he's like, there's 
it, that's what I mean, like the sin and suffering piece. Like he's like, he hates sin in us. And so he's going to come after it until yeah. it's completely eradicated. And I think where I'm at right now with that is like, that's just God's utter kindness yeah. to me to not leave me in partial healing in a yeah. sense, but he's like redeeming all that's underneath that has been broken. And so, um, I could look at it as like, I'm so weary of fighting this, but I think God has me in a really healthy headspace in that of like, no, I'm doing like a new thing and good work in you. And I'm not going to let you settle for what's not, um, completely restored. For sure. Yeah. And, and so I just want to quickly point out for anybody listening that I don't want it to sound like, or make it seem like that you have to be healed by God to, to improve or to, uh, to, to, to work through your eating disorder. And I know that's not what you're saying. I just want to make sure that we're totally. explicit. Like Haley's story is amazing. And I pray that the Lord would heal everyone mm-hmm. uh, and that you would experience that. But but even if you don't, that you, your story doesn't have to look like Haley's story and there's yeah. still hope for you in that. And so Amanda, I'm, I'm, I'm interested if you could maybe just speak to some of the mental side of eating disorders that, that Haley was talking about and just how like even in her vision, like God just taking the claws out of her brain, like. So, so often I think the misconception with eating disorders is that it's just, well, it's just you're, the food that you eat. You yeah. just do it. You just stop, stop or start eating. Yeah. Yeah. And I think what was interesting is you brought up like the comparison from an eating disorder to addiction. Mm-hmm. It has a lot of similar components yeah. in the way of um, the coping, right? Um, we often think as addiction as like a like a surface, right? There's something underneath. It's one way that someone's trying to deal with the the hurt, the depression, the anxiety, the um, feeling of lack of control. Whatever's going on underneath is often coped with through an addiction, mm-hmm. right? But the hardest part from a psychological perspective, and this is why many psychologists don't go into this field, is unlike alcohol, drugs, you can't just take away or give everything Mm -hmm. to, right? Mm -hmm. You actually have to repair that relationship. And that is so complicated, Mm -hmm. right? But one of the cool things is like you said, like there's so many facets to it. There's so many layers to it. There's so many things underneath it. That's that's one of the reasons why I feel so passionate about working with individuals that struggle with that mm-hmm. is because I see there's so much more healing overall in that. Yeah. When you talk about your relationship with food, you really are looking at relationships with everything. Yeah. That relationship with food is mimicked through other areas in your life. And so finding healing in other areas can sometimes repair that relationship with food and sometimes kind of repairing the relationship with food will allow you to actually have a lot of that healing underneath. And so to me, that's like the beauty of it. Um, and it's just, I, I it looks different for everyone. Sure. Um, so for those who don't know, I actually worked in the hospitals um, for kids that struggled with eating disorders. And then now I work what we consider outpatient. So like what people would think like private practice or going to therapy. Um, And I often have to send people from the outpatient world back up to the hospital Mm -hmm. or am kind of bringing them from the hospital back into outpatient. And I've done the opposite. I've seen people relapse three, four, five times Mm -hmm. back to the hospital. 
Um, and then all of a sudden something happens or other people, it's just a slow journey. Mm -hmm. Um, or maybe the eating disorder kind of morphs into something different, Mm -hmm. right? Maybe it was really focused on, um, exercise and now it's focused on quote unquote clean eating because Mm -hmm. they've been having digestive issues and that then gets wrapped up. So it's, it's so much more complex. It's hard to pinpoint what it's going to look like and it's different for everyone. Um, and that's why even on my side of things, we work as a, a team. We have um, a dietitian, we have therapists, we have um, medical providers all working together to try to impact all the different areas that it's impacting. Um, one of the reasons I actually went into eating disorders was because I loved the the combination of like how mental health actually impacts physical health. Mm, yeah. um, I think that's often minimized um, in a lot of different areas. And so in eating disorders, it's very clear. Um, but it's also unclear. I think a lot of people mm-hmm, think mm-hmm. that, oh, I can sell it, tell from the outside how the health is for that person on the inside, yeah. and it's completely untrue. Yeah. Um, and that's that's where it does get wrapped up. Oh, well, I'm I'm phys- I'm trying to change the outside, and so that will make my insides mm-hmm. um, way more healthy, right? Mm-hmm. And it, it it doesn't it doesn't work that way. Right. Um, and so it's just, I don't know, it's, it's always fascinating and it's always amazing to watch what God does for both believers and non-believers and their treatment and healing. Um, but I'm like amazed at just how God provided that for you because it, it, makes, it makes sense from my perspective of understanding like those claws. I often will think of like an eating disorder as either Satan mm-hmm. or this other thought process that is permeating the brain and looking through and changing the way that you perceive. Um, and it's interesting because we'll even talk about um, having another voice. It doesn't mean mm-hmm. that they're actually hearing another voice. It's this contrary thinking that can sometimes happen when you struggle with an eating disorder. It's hard to hear your own thoughts. Mm-hmm. You're hearing the thoughts of something else. Um, and it's, 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 scary Mm -hmm. it's scary for a lot of individuals and it's overwhelming um yeah yeah I think um I'm glad you brought that up Caleb about like and you Amanda about healing not being one one size fits all or like it's not even linear a lot of times and a lot of people experience healing in different ways I think what I've been in awe of in my own story is like how much like learning how much God cares about our relationship with food, like the fact that he would heal me in that way or the fact that he, I don't know, I just like felt him so near to me and something that like, honestly, I didn't think he cared that much about. It's like, it feels like, yeah, I gave you this gift, like eat it and this is how your body's supposed to, you know, it just feels like something that God could completely overlook. But I feel like that's where we find hope in the gospel is like Mm -hmm. Jesus, Jesus came to like, save us from our sin with food and then god like he cares to intervene on our behalf and like he cares he designed food in our bodies to like function away and he's like fighting for us to function in that way you know and so i feel like to extract like no healing does not have to look like my story or your friend's story is to experience healing but i feel like knowing that like god god deeply cares about the way we interact with food in our body and he's like fighting for healing for us is something that I've been like in awe for a while. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, 
Jesus came to set the captives free. Mm-hmm. Those who are enslaved by an eating disorder, those who are enslaved by their view of food, their view of themselves, whatever it is, Jesus came to set you free from that. And the, the Sermon on the Mount is all about how Jesus came for all of you, not just Sunday morning, not just reading your Bible, but he came for all of you. Mm-hmm. And so there is hope for those of you who might be struggling with eating disorders. Is The hope is that, yeah, God does care about this. And, yeah. and Jesus did come for this reason. We, we know uh, from, from Romans 8 that there is no power on earth that can separate you from the love of God, not even your own eating disorder. Mm-hmm. And so God is coming after you in this. And, and guys, we, we want you to see the, the hope that there is in this fight because it's a fight. It's yeah. a journey. It is a genuine battle, but there's hope for mm-hmm. you in it. So Amanda, would you take for just a couple minutes and talk about any, any practical advice you would have for somebody who might be struggling with an eating disorder or, or somebody who is listening to this and thinking of a friend they know who they're beginning to wonder, I think maybe that, that person might have an issue with food. Is there any sort of just very practical advice that they could take away from this? I think the biggest thing that I constantly see um, and I don't know if this is just unique with those who are struggling with eating disorders, is recognizing you are not alone. Mm, wow. You are not alone. This is not just you. Because well, that's what eating disorders will do mm-hmm. is they'll try to isolate you. Absolutely. So understanding you are not alone. Um, this is not just you. Mm-hmm. Um, this is not something that you were created to bear by yourself. We have the church, we have God to be able to help with that. Um, I know how scary it is to bring it up. And I think even Haley's story speaks to this of how hard it is to talk about. Um, I haven't quite figured out why. I don't know if it is really just the culture that we have around it, or if this is just a pattern of of Satan's desire to isolate. Mm -hmm. But this is something that so many people struggle with, and watching so many people talk about it and just be able to bring it to light, there is so much healing in just bringing it to light. Yeah. Um, So, reaching out, asking for help, knowing you're not alone. Those are the big things to just start with because until you can ask for help, right? There's so many things that a lot of times that eating disorder doesn't allow you to see outside of yourself, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. You talk about the distortion, the the misnomer of, no, I'm doing the right thing. Just being able to say, hey, like, I feel like this is just me. Let me bring this to someone. Mm-hmm. Let me allow someone else to help. And I think that's the hardest part because that goes against every single thing um, with an eating disorder. It often feels like it should be by yourself. It should, you got it. You can do it all by yourself. You don't need anybody. Um, you're figuring out you. This mm-hmm. is what's best for you. Um, really bringing it to light, questioning, mm-hmm. and providing that openness co- to conversation around it. Mm-hmm. Haley, was there anything when you were in those two years, a uh, year and a half to two years after you had finally recognized this, that your friends did uh, 
or that you wish they would have done that was helpful in this topic? Yes. Um, I could cry just thinking about this because I feel like I look back on those two years and I'm just in awe of like who God had put around me. Um, I think that's also why I'm passionate. Like the church has a role in this because the church is, was my safest place for this. And so, um, there's a list of a long, a long list of things that people did for me. But some of the main things that come to mind is I had a friend who would send me a grocery list every week and I would go buy those groceries and drop them all off at her house. And then she would prep all my meals for me and I'd go pick them up. And so I would at least have food, like thinking about preparing food for me. That was like half the battle. Like I just wasn't going to do that. Mm -hmm. And she knew that. And so she, I mean, I don't know how long that took out of her day to like prepare my whole weeks of meals for me, but like that sacrificial um, love for me, like saved my life in a lot of ways, truly. So she would do that every single week for me. Um, And she would also text me, um, not every day at mealtime, but commonly. And I just feel like the spirit kept bringing her to mind or me to mind for her, but she would send me just like voice memos of, hey, I'm praying for you. This is exactly what I'm praying for you. Like there's freedom to eat. So just please eat. Like it was never like harsh or commanding me to eat, but like a constant reminder that like I'm fighting for you. I'm asking God to like help you eat right now. And she would just send those to me as the spirit would bring me to mind. Um, And Olivia, your wife went grocery shopping for me a lot. She knew that like grocery shopping would induce a lot of anxiety for me and so every time she went to the store she would text me and see if there's like anything that she could get for me or it also got to a point where she would just ask me like have you gone shopping this week and then she would just bring food that she picked out to my house just because she knew that was hard um and I also like that started with me being known in it so I don't think I did that perfectly but like they there's no way for them to know that about me without me saying like I want to have a panic attack when I'm in a grocery store. Yeah. So then people can intervene. Um, and then the second thing that people did for me is um, they knew that like once I gave my roommates into a glimpse of like all the lies that I hear that like voice, a lot of it I think was Satan, like just like assaulted with lies all day long. Um, my roommates, once they saw like behind the curtain a little bit, they um, – they would come like wake me up in the morning before my alarm went off and just sit at the end of my bed and read scripture over me to like clothe me in truth before I got out of bed. Or um, one day I came home and all of our mirrors in our house were covered in scripture and Mm. expo markers. Mm. Um, And so I think that that's like a specific way, but the main point being like they built me up in so much like authoritative truth because they knew that my everyday life was like clouded in lies. And so, and they knew it was so hard for me to fight on my own to believe and like even hear truth. And so um, they took on that role and did that for me. And then the last thing that I would say is like my community was really honest with me. And that was like one of the greatest gifts that I received. So one of my friends could tell like when I'd gone through a four day period of not eating, just because you can see that physically in people. And she in like more of a like harsh love kind of way would make me like sit with me until I would eat food. She would go cook it and then like make sure I ate it. Or one of my friends, I remember we were on a walk and she specifically, like we stopped on a corner and she was like, you have to repent and there's no other way to like move past this. And so we can't continue to have this conversation until you're ready to repent. And Mm. those are like hard things to hear or like they were hard things to sit in. But if my 
closest community wouldn't have been honest with me about the state of my sin and suffering, um, then I, I honestly don't know like where I'd be right now. And I think that brings up a good point of like, what do you do if you have someone that talks about it? Right. Mm-hmm. And yeah. brings it to you because I think this is the other scary part is like, what do you do? Mm-hmm. Right. Exactly. You may not fully understand it. And that's absolutely fine. And I think a lot of people have even and you can speak to this of just being like, I'm so sorry. I can't imagine how hard this is for you. I don't know exactly how to help you right now, but let me figure out how we can work together on this. Yeah. Right. No one's supposed to be expected to know exactly what to say, right? This is where we pull on to the Holy Spirit of what am I supposed to say? What am I supposed to do? How am I supposed to go about this? Um, But even if you are a friend and you notice someone is suffering, I think the other point is it is so important to be able to go and address it. It may be scary. It may be overwhelming because you know how hard this is. Um and there's so much spiritual warfare. So there's both the spiritual healing, but also the medical healing. Totally. And, um, you know, this is something I always tell people, and I think this is one of the hardest things to hear, but out of all mental health disorders, addictions, depression, schizophrenia, eating disorders are the most deadly psychiatric disorder, Mm -hmm. right? Satan wants death. Mm -hmm. That's what he desires. And so thinking about this and that perspective of this is a opportunity to save someone's life. Mm -hmm. And I'm always so grateful when someone does speak up Mm -hmm. because that's, that's one of the hardest parts, but it's so necessary, right? I think it's easier for our society to talk about other things such as like suicide. What do you do? you got to jump on it, right? And react. I think this is the one that's really hard for people to talk about. Yep. And this is my my hope in in this this specific part of the conversation is for those friends to be able to think of, hey, I I know this one of my friends over here, I think they might be. And so let's give them some tools to be able to engage with that friend. Because like you're talking about, it, it, you when when you are in it when you're the person who's in the midst of an eating disorder whether you've recognized it or not you've convinced yourself it's not a big deal mm-hmm. even after yeah. you've after you've confessed it you've convinced yourself it's not that bad yeah like I'm, I'm i'm yeah sure i have a little bit of an eating disorder but it's not that bad and so you need those friends who are serious about no 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 we've got to repent mm-hmm. we we've got to see this for what it is because just like you're yeah. talking about, Amanda, like this is a matter of life and death. Yeah. So Haley, uh, sorry, uh, was is there anything that wasn't helpful? Is there anything that somebody shouldn't do that uh, with their friends who, who might be struggling with an eating disorder? Yeah, that's a great question. There were things, and I will preface this by saying, I know that these were all well-intentioned. Sure. Like people were obviously out to get me. They were trying to care for me, but... Um, I think we talked about this a little bit earlier, but the phrase just eat is just not helpful. <laughs> um, or well, the like, question, are you eating? Are you eating? That's just not helpful. Like there's there's so many things going on in your mind when it comes to food, when like something is put in front of you and someone says, just eat. It's mm. like, 
it oh, uh, it's rebellion to the max. Yeah, it compiles shame. Yes. It's like, what's wrong with me? I can't just eat this. But there's like so many psychological, biological things that are happening yeah. in that moment that like truly in a lot of ways prohibit you from eating. Yeah. And so um, without seeking understanding of why we can't eat, it's, it's like just so unhelpful to try to simplify it in a way of like, just put food in your mouth and you'll be better right. because that's not true. Um, yeah, a- absolutely. I think even just following up of understanding what happens when you are hungry, right? I think everyone jokes about hanger. I know I struggle with <laughs> hanger all the time, right? And there's this reality of when you are hungry, right? Or when your body is not getting the nutrition it needs, your thought processes are not the same. Yeah. Right? There is so much to that of just understanding how, and I can, once again, this is like one of those things I can talk for an hour about of how the nutrition impacts the way that your brain can actually function, right? But then there's also the other part of sometimes just eating actually isn't going to be helpful, right? Because there are, when there has been a pattern of hunger or starvation, our body is adapting. And so this is the other reason of how do we also help them not only get the spiritual health, but the actual medical nutritional psychological help Mm -hmm. to make sure that it is safe for them to eat Mm -hmm. um and i know that's kind of very broad um and one of those things that's kind of confusing of like how why well if they're not eating why would eating all of a sudden be bad and it's like well sometimes because the body is compensated that shock of too much food can actually impact it right Mm. so there are physical things that are Um, restricting the food intake to actually keep itself alive and so there is that it's this constant battle around what is the next step so would would that be like dangerous for somebody who is in the middle of anorexic eating disorder for them to 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 just shock their system like you're saying would that like why would that be dangerous um there's something called refeeding syndrome and so it and this is this is not this is not my field. I am not a dietitian. I am not a medical provider. Like I said, this is something that um, I've worked with and kind of been watchful for in the sense that knowing that it can send the body into shock. Yeah. So it has to do with electrolytes getting kind of changed or altered to be able to sustain the body yeah. while it's got this limited food intake. And so this is where you have to really talk to a dietitian, a medical provider mm-hmm. to really see what is this person supposed to be eating at mm-hmm. this time. And um, there, this is something the hospitals really work with and just being able to monitor, make sure that this person is getting what their body needs to be able to start uh, replenishing it without putting it into shock. Yeah. And so um, this is where even for me, I as a psychologist will never tell someone what they should or shouldn't eat. Um, and that seems really odd being an eating disorder psychologist, you but should never I, eat Taco Bell. You uh, yeah, yep. no, nope. <laughs> nope. because I, that's not, that's not my, not my place. Right. And so that's where I lean on other people that are able to dive into that. Right. I may talk about, okay, why are you not eating? Um, have you quote unquote made your meal plan? I'm sure you've heard the meal plan. I've meal plan. been on many a meal plan. <laughs> um, and so really talking with the dietitian of like, okay, what, 
how can I help assist in the psychological manner to get what their body needs. Um, so I think that's that. That's the other part is yeah. really kind of talking to someone what they should or shouldn't do with an eating disorder. That that's that's where it can get dangerous even. Yeah. Um, and it's not to make someone be afraid of talking. Sure. That's not to push someone away. And none of this um, is supposed to make anyone feel guilty by any means. It's more of a how do we understand things in a different way and mm -hmm. really see things in a um, uh, not just spiritual but psychological, mental, physical. And like we said, those things all intertwine. Yeah, a holistic view. Yeah, that holistic view, the nutritional component impacts the psychological component, the psychological impacts the nutritional, which impacts the medical. Um, and all of these things work together. I even think of um, even small things outside of an eating disorder. So uh, the dietitian I work with, she is just, she's phenomenal. Um, but I always talk with her about how, um, that works together and she um, there's research that shows the way that you perceive the meal right um, whether it's perceived as something that you normally eat or associated with emotions or not um, can change the way that your body actually absorbs the food oh, that's fascinating. right wow. it's so it's so interesting um, it's interesting to watch with the psychological help how it actually can heal a lot of those intolerances um, it's, it, I, like I said, I've, I've never seen anything like it. It's amazing how the body works or even, um, the way that we eat. Um, if, you know, we have a variety of nutrients, how that impacts our dopamine, serotonin, that's, you know, of course, really fun psychological and medical terms, but it's different chemicals in our brain that are associated with, um, like feelings. Mm -hmm. Um, so all of these things intertwine and it's really something that we're continuing to discover, and I'm always amazed at how God has created yeah. all of these things to work together. Yeah, for sure. And I think I think just to kind of bring it back really quickly to the friend thinking, how can I help my friends? Yeah. Um, I think before you get to the point to where you're waking your friend up before their alarm goes off and you're reading scripture to them, like you need to at least have been brought into that conversation, mm -hmm. right? So yeah. I wouldn't start with that. Yeah. Um, I would start with seeking to understand, seeking to listen, trying to create the trust there because without that, any, even the most well-intentioned, even if you do everything that Haley told you to do, if you haven't been allowed to do those things, if you've not had the trust built with that friend in this specific area, then even those things are going to be received as harmful. Yeah, I think that's good. I was thinking about um, so many people, especially in my time as a college intern, would be like, hey, one of my friends I can tell is not doing good. Can you go talk to her because you've had an eating disorder? And one, I think that's like a really beautiful way that God like uses similar experiences to like comfort and minister to one another. But also I want to like push back on the lie that you have to have lived it to be able to speak into it. And I feel like, what you're saying that like trust seeking to understand is a far more um, healthier indicator of how you can walk with someone than it is of like if you've been able to completely relate with their experience or not. So I think like being able to enter in with someone in a way that says like, you're not alone, I'm here and I'm not going anywhere is far more powerful than being able to say like, me too, I know exactly what you're talking about. So 
I think that that's like a lie that a lot of people that paralyzes a lot of people and caring for them. And I think what you said, Amanda, about like we do have the Holy Spirit in us as we enter into these like dark and hard and confusing places. I think we forget that in this conversation a lot. Yeah. Yeah. It, it is imperative for the friend seeking to care that you you start off with seeking to understand. You start off with building that trust there. Um because like you're saying, Haley, the, I can, I'm just thinking about my own story of, of friends who cared for me well through my time in, in an eating disorder. None of them had eating disorders. None of them uh, struggled with food at all, and yet they, they did such a good job at caring for me because uh, they, they really did want uh, to, to understand. They really did want to, to care for me well. Juxtapose that to my mom, who would just ask me, are you eating? And I would just want to lose it. Mm-hmm is is it just the the thing that I want you to understand if you're hearing this wondering how you can care well is is try to enter into it and and not sit from the outside and try to fix somebody you will not fix somebody with an eating disorder no but you no. can fight with them absolutely yeah absolutely but there's a huge difference between there's a the two. there's such a huge difference and and and, and again I, I maybe we're belaboring this point but but just like we're talking to people with eating disorders as this is a journey. If you're a friend walking alongside of somebody with an eating disorder, this is a journey. You're not going to accomplish, you're not going to solve it in one conversation. It's not gonna uh, get fixed in one walk. Mm-hmm. It, it's not gonna happen in one time of prayer together. You're going to have to commit to walking with them for a long time and commit to praying for them probably more than you talk to them about it. Mm-hmm. That's the best thing that you can do is is to be like your friend who would send you those voice memos. Hey, here's how I'm praying for you today. Mm-hmm. That's so, so good. So that I think that that's, that's just a, a great way for you to, to love your, to love your friends. Yeah, for sure. When I even just think of like something that I've been really praying about is something you mentioned of just like how the church came alongside you. And I was like, yeah, like that's something like, so this sounds like I'm going waste to psychologists right now, but that's okay. Um, really the only effective treatment that we are able to find for eating disorders is family-based treatment. Mm. And that's really in teenagers. Wow. Because of that communal aspect, we rely a lot on the family to be able to help and assist with adults. Like... That's where, so good because it's like the church is the family exactly, and that's what it's supposed to be. Exactly. Yes, and that was something that like I very much was like, oh, my God, like what what if the church can provide that other aspect, right, mm-hmm. that can't be touched by a psychologist? Like mm-hmm. I can't go in like go grocery shop for my client. That's just inappropriate, right? right? Like there's different boundaries in that relationship um, that are meant to keep that relationship um, healthy, right? But what can we do with the church to be able to provide that extra support that is truly needed? What does that look like? How do we train others to do this? Is it just for believers or is it for non-believers as yeah, well, yeah. right? How can the church really enter into this aspect of things um, and understand what does it look like to have a meal with someone that has an eating disorder? Mm-hmm. What does it look like to come alongside them? What is it like to provide that support in that structure? Um, because it's completely missing yes. in the adult world. Yes. Completely missing. 100%. Yeah. And I don't, I don't want to sit here and pretend like we've got it all figured, figured no. out and got it like, 
uh, got it together, but but our hope is that we could be that family for you. Yes. Yeah. So if, if you're listening to this and you're thinking, wow, that sounds amazing, man, find a way mm-hmm. to talk to your city group. Find a way to come in and talk to me. Um, we we want to be able to to be the family of God for you in this because mm-hmm. when you're talking yeah. about Amanda, like the the only effective way. The only effective thing that you found is is that that family therapy. Yeah, family based treatment. Family based family based treatment. Based treatment. You. Thank I you. know it's no, it's really confusing. It's yeah, yeah. it's essentially like the family is kind of taking over a lot of those roles that allow for healing, right? Mm-hmm. Taking over the role of grocery shopping, mm. what the meal is going to be, right? Putting the plate together, yep. right? And we're trying to do those things more in the hospital setting, but it, it's just hard, especially with the pushback of insurance wanting people to get out of the hospital sooner than they really should be. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, these these are just kind of the psychological aspects and the worldly aspects, but there's that piece that's missing that I've seen over and over and over with the adult clients that I've worked with is like, what does this look like? How do mm-hmm. we pre- provide that support that allows that healing? Um, just taking even the choice away of what to eat. Yeah. Like, like that's a battle, mm-hmm. right? For someone that has an eating disorder, that is a battle. What do I eat? Mm-hmm. And it's overwhelming. Should I eat this? Should I eat this? Oh, well, if I eat this, then it doesn't look like I'm recovering. But if, but if I eat what my eating disorder says, then, then I'm not really nourishing my body. I don't even know what I want to eat because all I've thought about is what this food is going to do to me. Right. So being able to come alongside and say, Hey, like, don't worry about this aspect. I Mm -hmm. want you to be able to focus on the battle of just eating Mm -hmm. right now. Yeah, and I'm even thinking through like those conversations being able to be had. Uh, we've talked about this before, but in city groups, mm-hmm. so many city groups share meals together and stuff. So what yeah. would it look like for city group, like around the table to not be a place of anxiety for people struggling, but a place mm-hmm. where our city groups know like how to welcome someone to the table and hold their hand in ways that are loving and helpful and effective in city groups to be family-based treatment. Yeah. Did I say that right? Without, without, without like focusing on the food, right? Right, right. And that's, that's the hardest part. How do you f- like help this person without focusing on the food? Because mm-hmm. I think the other aspect is once, you know, they share, then is everyone now focused on what they eat? That's right. not going to be helpful either, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Um, rather than focusing on what they're eating, mm-hmm. focusing on what you can do to support, yeah. right? What does that look like? How do you handle it, right? And I think there's so many normal conversations that we all have around food and bodies that is kind of normal in our culture of like, oh, I feel really full after this meal, right? Or like, oh, I'm not really hungry today, so I'm not going to eat as much. Or, oh, this, this, you know, cheesecake is so good, but it must be so fattening, Mm -hmm. right? Like all of those types of comments, they're not really meant to be harmful, but they're sending messages. Um... And understanding how that impacts, mm-hmm. you know, someone that is struggling with that. Yeah. Amanda, are there any resources that you would recommend uh, people go and consider, go and check out with, with regarding this topic? What do you mean by that? Yeah. So if somebody, I don't know, if, is there a good website? Is there a good podcast? This podcast? Is there a good article? <laughs> this this podcast is the podcast that you, everyone should listen to. Of course. That's what, yes. that's yeah, what well, we're saying. All right. Resource done. Um, One stop shop. Yeah. So, oh gosh. I can't, I can't even tell you. Is there a good Instagram account? I, I don't know what's out there. I mean, oh my gosh. 
there's so, like I said, like, because this is so infiltrated, it's hard to know exactly what to do, right? Um, but there is the national, oh my gosh, now I got to remember it. Uh, and I got to look it up. It's National Eating Disorder Association, NIDA? Yep, National Eating Disorder Association website. It has so many resources for for everyone, um, talking about ways you can advocate um, against a lot of the societal factors that are contributing to um, broken relationships with food and our bodies. It has a lot of resources on um, how to get involved, how to learn, different providers. Um, everyone's also welcome to talk to me about what what are the providers in this area. How right? did they find you? How do they find me? Yeah. Um, talk to me. Um, Where? When? How? When? Uh, you know, I, that's a good question. I, I, I don't know that. But um, as in like a profession or a person? That's I, a question. You tell me. How, you said if, if you want to talk to me, come and talk to me. But I mean, right now, we're not meeting on Sundays. I know. That is a, that's a good point. Do you have an Instagram account? Do you have a, a email that you could? Yeah. I mean, everyone's welcome to email me. It's Amanda Smith at gmail.com. Um, if you're wanting even just more information on how to get some professional help, um, my company, we are trying to do everything that we can to provide comprehensive care. Um, it's called Next Steps Worldwide, and we have what we call the Recovered Clinic, which is really focused on those who are struggling with eating disorders. And so um, we work very closely with even higher levels of care. So if that's something that um, is needed, that's something I can also help with resources. Um, Locally, we have the Eating Recovery Center, so they're a really good resource. They do free initial assessments, which is always helpful in just kind of figuring out what the direction to go. Um, but like I said, or you can just email me personally yeah. um, if you have other questions on what to do, where to go, what's going to be most helpful. Um, and to be honest, it's really hard to even say what exact resources are going to be helpful because each uh, person's different, and so we often have to be thoughtful on what books to provide sure. because each of them can either be mm. triggering depending on the yeah. the place you're at or yeah. healing and so it is really hard to kind of understand or what eating disorder you may be struggling with right um but like i said the nita website they're really awesome um feel free to contact me feel free to look up my company if you would like yeah, that's hopefully great. that's helpful. Guys, thank you all so much for coming, having this conversation. Hey, if you're listening to this and you've made it to this point, first off, congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> Run a marathon. Yes. Uh, secondly, we would love to hear any feedback or questions you have regarding this topic. Um, uh, Haley, Amanda, and I have already said, hey, we should probably do go ahead and plan on doing two of these. So if you have questions, if you if there's something that we talked about in here that you want more information on, or if there's something that we didn't talk about that you would like us to address in this topic, go ahead and send our college uh, Instagram account a DM. That's Paradox College uh, on Instagram. And then uh, let us know what you would like for us to discuss in part two of this. Uh, we'll do that again uh, at some point this summer. And then, uh, and yeah, if, if, if you do need help as well, please reach out. If you uh, are looking for uh, that, that family to come around you, let us know so that we can, we can do that for you. 
Uh, but thank you all so much for being here. Thank you for listening. Uh, this has been an incredible conversation. I'm, I'm really, really grateful that y'all would take your time uh, to, to serve our students in this way. And so thank you. Thank you both, Haley and Amanda. Uh, and thank yeah. you guys for listening. We will see you guys again soon. Awesome. Thank you all. Do you want to say bye? Bye. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I should say thank you, too. Can we cook?